Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Deepa Faradurajan is the author of Late Bloomers, a novel. Deepa lives in Atlanta with her husband and two children. She is a legal academic and a graduate of Yale Law School. She grew up in Texas and received her BA from the University of Texas at Austin. Her short fiction has appeared in the Georgia Review, and her legal scholarship has appeared in the Yale Law Journal and many other publications. Late Bloomers is her first novel. Welcome, Deepa. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Late Bloomers, your novel. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's always fun talking about dating later in life. Why not? Let's go right into it. (laughs) So tell listeners about both how you came as a former lawyer, or maybe you still are a lawyer, to write a book. Former? Current? I'm still a law professor, actually. Law Mm -hmm. professor. Okay. From that to writing a book about, you know, divorced parents who have to find love again and all of that. So tell me the whole thing. So I am fascinated by the idea of second chances. Are you ever too old to reinvent your life or can you change at any age? And I wanted to explore that idea through the story of an Indian American family 
living in a fictional college town in Texas. And the couple at the center of the story, Lata and Suresh Raman, have recently divorced after 36 years of an arranged marriage. And it was Lata's decision to leave, but now they're both figuring out how to start over. And Lata has this job outside the home for the first time at a university library, which she loves. And a professor there asked her on a date, which is this totally new and nerve-wracking experience for her. And her ex-husband, Suresh, is online dating for the first time, and it is not going at all how he expected. (laughs) And so they're trying for these new beginnings. They're doing these things outside their comfort zone. And meanwhile, their two 30-something-year-old children, Priya and Akesh, are struggling to adapt to these changes to their parents' new lives. And they're also trying to sort out their own very messy relationship issues, which they've been hiding from their parents. And so the family members in the story are discovering these secret sides of each other, and they're learning how to let the people they love become these new and evolving versions of themselves. I love that. I got divorced and remarried in my late 30s and 40s, and navigating all those relationships brought me back. I also, by the way, went undercover and helped my mom's best friend go on dating apps at age 70 to try to find somebody for her. Oh, wow. Which was really funny. Nobody was looking for a 70 year old woman, I'll have you know, <laughs> on the app. So that was tough. All the people her age were like, we're looking for someone in their 40s. She's like, what? But right. But that's one of Suresh's frustrations in this book that women are lying about their age online. Yes. But yes. And you had such a funny um, the relationship too between the parents and the kids and all those adult parent relationships are also hilarious. Can I read like this little section? Of course. And I think maybe because my mother can be like this also, but anyway, so she's talking to her mom and she said, I cut her off before she could bombard me with instructions for every plant in the yard. Mom, why don't you tell him? I'm never going to remember these instructions. Oh, well, it's his garden now. He can do whatever he wants with it. So is there anything else? <laughs> At the end of her question, mom inhaled a quick but noticeable breath. Anything else. This was how my mother ended all our phone conversations. The expectant pause, the tremulous hope before the word else. This was the point in the conversation where I imagined my mother bracing herself, desperate for some kind of announcement. That is the nuptial kind, the kind that would finally relieve her of the fear that I'd die childless and alone. While my father's lack of subtlety took the form of antagonistic questioning in my living room, my mother's took the equally exasperating, the less confrontational form of the pregnant pause. And then they go, you go through all of this. And then at the end you say, I stuffed the indignation down my throat and swallowed. Nope. I said, that's it. Nothing else, mom. What about you? Everything okay? <laughs> and then um, there's the thing on the next page. But then quickly you say, and just like that, my anger turned to shame. My mother was alone. She was growing old in a crappy condo. She spent her days working in a library with obnoxious college age freaks. Honestly, what kind of daughter was I? So, yes. Yeah, there's that, you know, back and forth. Like, on the one hand, she's so frustrated that they seem to be obsessed, both her parents, with the fact that she's unmarried. They're so worried about her. And, you know, at the same time, she's frustrated by it. But then she also thinks to herself, well, am I doing something wrong? Have I gone off track somewhere? So there's that, you know, back and forth for her, which, you know, being someone myself who got married in her early 30s, I I remember that. So, <laughs> I feel like our parents, there never ceases to be expectations of any kind, whether it's professional or personal or related to the kids or something, you know, I just feel like there's always some way of falling short or I don't know, something. 
There is something. And I think, you know, one of the themes in this book is, you know, is it harder to parent young children? Is it harder to parent older children? I think the answer is it's just all hard. Yeah. You know, everything <laughs> you're parenting at, it is hard. And, you know, I now that I'm on the other side of it and I am a parent too, I, I do, I think I feel a lot more sympathy for my own parents. And, you know, in a way, that process of becoming a parent myself, you know, helped me understand these characters a bit more. And I think helped me find particularly, particularly Lata's voice. And so I read that the inspiration for this came at a dinner with your husband's friend or his parents had gotten divorced or something like that. Tell me about the inspiration. There was some sort of... Yeah. So the characters are are this product of my imagination, but the very first spark of inspiration came almost 20 years ago. Uh, At the time, I was dating an Indian American man and his parents had recently divorced. Uh, And his dad was experimenting with online dating. And I remember him saying something to us along the lines of, I want to try it your way this time. And I remember being struck by that and thinking, you know, it's a really brave thing to try to start over later in life. And at the same time, I was in my 20s and I was having these relationship issues. And all of that got me thinking, you know, I haven't read a story before about recently divorced Indian couple, my parents' age, and their adult children all going through romantic turmoil at the same time. You know, I want to read that story. Maybe maybe I can figure out how to write it, you know? And at the same time, the parents in the story, Lata and Suresh, they had an arranged marriage. Theirs didn't work out. My parents also had an arranged marriage. Lucky for me, though, they have been married for almost five decades. They have a very, you know, successful marriage. And But, you know, when I was younger, it was always this object of fascination to me, how they met. The fact that they didn't really know each other and then they got married. And I've always felt like it's kind of the stroke of luck that they turned out to be so compatible But there have been moments where I've thought, you know, what if, what if it had gone another way? And this story is kind of that alternate path, that imaginary what if. We uh, run a publishing company also. Our first book was called My What If Year. And it was, uh, it's about a woman who decided that like she wasn't that happy with her life and took on four other internships. But the reason I bring it up is when you started off saying the whole theme of the book and something you're so interested in is like, what if, like, and what about second acts? And like, is it ever too late to redo where you are? And what does that mean? Anyway, I feel like it's very much aligned. It's a question on everyone's minds these days. Yeah. And you, you know, you asked me earlier about my own process, how I, yes, yes. how I went through, you know, becoming a lawyer and then writing this book. And so that whole idea of a second act, a second chance really resonates with me now because I'm, you know, a debut author in my forties after having had this career as a lawyer and a law professor. And so, you know, that question resonates with me in my own life too. So tell me that whole story. How did this all happen? Sure. So, you know, like the title of my novel, I'm kind of a late bloomer to <laughs> writing. I didn't really know that I wanted to start writing fiction till my mid twenties. I think like a lot of writers, I've always loved to read. So I grew up in a small college town in Texas, much like the setting of the novel. And, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. I was one of just a few Indian kids in my school. So I felt like an outsider, like a lot of outsiders. I found my solace in reading fiction. So I've always loved to read. But it didn't really occur to me to start trying to write fiction until I was in law school. So it's funny. I I went to law school and I discovered, well, I discovered I wanted to be a law professor, but I also discovered I wanted to write fiction. And I think part of the reason is there were these people, a few people around me who are publishing nonfiction and publishing novels. And there's something about physical proximity to people who are doing the thing you want to do that makes you think to yourself, okay, well, can I try doing this thing too? And so I graduated from law school. 
And then I started working at this big law firm in New York, not unlike the kind of firm that Nikesh works at and much like Nikesh, it was not a good fit for me. I was not something that was quite right for me. And so I signed up for my very first ever creative writing workshop while I was working at this law firm in New York in my mid-20s. And once a week, one evening a week, I would go to this workshop, I would share my work. And it was just the highlight of every single week for me. And ever since then, fiction writing has been, you know, a part of my life. Wait, what was the workshop? What was it called? Like, Oh, it was called a writer's studio. It was the very first workshop I ever did. And in fact, this character of Suresh actually grew out of my very first workshop assignment in my my very first creative writing class almost 20 years ago. I remember the assignment was We read a little part of a short story from a collection called Sam the Cat by Matthew Clam, which is a terrific collection. And we were supposed to come back with two pages written in a first-person narrator point of view. And so I had this idea for this character of a recently divorced Indian man in his late 50s who was, you know, trying to start over. And I brought in these two pages. And, you know, there's something about being in a workshop. You can tell when something has gone over well, when people are responding to something. And so I thought, okay, I have something here. But at the time, I thought it was just going to be a short story because I did not have the confidence at that moment to think, oh, I can write a novel. So I thought it was going to be this short story and I worked on it and I couldn't get it to work as a short story. And so I put it away for a couple of years and then I came back to it because I hadn't forgotten about Suresh. And when I came back to it, I started thinking a lot more about his ex-wife, Latha, and his daughter, Priya. And I started wanting to write from their points of view too. And at that point, I I realized, okay, this is not a short story. This is a novel. And, you know, I just kept working on it in sort of fits and starts, putting it away, taking it back out. I really didn't have a very straightforward process at all. It was just me sort of fumbling my way in in the darkness, trying to figure out how to write a novel. (laughs) And yeah, so, and by, you know, so here, 17 years later, it's, 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 it's coming out. So (laughs) hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because 
even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Did you have a period where you were working on it much more intensely? Like did the pandemic help you finish it or how did that all play into it? Yeah. I mean, there were periods where I was working on it more intensely. Um, and in fact, during the pandemic, I was revising it and you know, I remember thinking to myself, you know, this, because part of what I struggled with, I, I sort of struggled with two things. One was when do you let go of something, which can be hard to know, right? When is the right moment to send it out, send it out to try to get a, uh, an agent? Do you keep, do you keep revising? Do you keep tinkering with it? And the other thing I struggled with, because I, you know, encountered periods of rejection, I also struggled with, well, should I put this away and move on to something new? And so in the pandemic, I went back and looked at this and I was revising it and I thought to myself, okay, this is the last time I'm going to send it out. And if it doesn't work out, then I'm going to move on to a new project. And, you know, luckily I sent it out and I found this amazing agent in December of 2020. And it was strange to have this joyful news at a time where, you know, there was so much pain and hardship, but in my mind, that was, that was sort of going to be my last, last time with this, you know, if it didn't work out, was, it was time to move on. <laughs> so it turns out the timing was perfect. There you go. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> did you ever read the children's book called Leo the Late Bloomer? No, I did not. Oh my gosh, you have I'm to so get that. To you should get it. It's really great. It's about a little tiger and his parents, and they're really worried about little Leo. And all the other animals could start doing things better. And like, he couldn't write as well and he couldn't jump as well or whatever it is. And then one day, like all the way towards the end, there's like this beautiful forest with all these leaves. And it's like, and then one day Leo bloomed and I, (laughs) it's so sweet. And I get chills every time, but anyway, I don't know. It might be, it might be some fun tie in with your, uh, with your book and the picture book. And I don't know, like a mommy and me type event or I don't know, something. I don't know. Could be oh, I love that. I have to get that for my nephew. <laughs> it's really cute, but it's good. I honestly, it's good for teenagers. You know, I mean, blooming is at every stage of life, right? This person's doing this first. This is happening to this person, blah, blah, blah. It never ends. It's true. It definitely does not. <laughs> and what was the experience like getting the news? I know you were so happy in the face of dire times, but when you finally sold the book and all that, like, what did you do? Did you jump around or like, give me like a visual of how excited you were? <laughs> I just, Oh gosh, there was definitely some screaming, some joyful screaming. <laughs> yes. Much celebrating because, you know, this was something that I had worked towards for so long. And there were moments where I'd sort of, you know, almost given up and thought, okay, this is really not going to happen for me. So it was just really this amazing amazing feeling when it happened. Are you working on another book now? Yeah. So right now I am working on a few short stories. So I love the short story form. I I find it really gratifying and challenging in a totally different way than writing a novel. 
But I'm also um, working on something that I think could turn into a novel, though I'm not sure. I've sort of sketched out some scenes and some characters. And like Late Bloomers, it it involves an Indian-American family, and they're discovering secret sides of each other. And there's adult sibling relationships and rivalries and wounds and regrets and forgiveness. And so it has some of the some of similar themes to Late Bloomers. Sounds great. Yeah. So what in the process so far of the publishing process, at least, has surprised you or wasn't what you thought it would be when you had hoped to get a book published for those years? Like what what has happened that you weren't expecting or that good or bad? Well, one of the things I have learned is just how many people it takes to turn a Word document into a book with a beautiful cover that ends up in these amazing stores, uh, including hopefully your wonderful new store. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. And so, you know, just, you know, everyone from your, your brilliant editor to the uh, uh, art designers who have this beautiful aesthetic sense and can come up with a terrific cover to the, you know, the copy editors who are so meticulously finding things that you had not anticipated. And it's just so many, so many wonderful, you know, people that are contributing their talents to help your book reach the world. So that to me was something that is, was very pleasant to discover. And tell me about what you teach at law school and how you marry these two different pieces of your life now. Well, I teach intellectual property law and innovation. So that's my area. And I I love being a law professor. I love teaching students. And they're very different, right? They're totally two, two different types of jobs, fiction writing and being a law professor. But I think for me, in a way, they have gone well together. I mean, time is always tricky. You're always trying to find the 25th hour of the day as I'm sure you can imagine you you managed to do so many, so many things. But I think for me, because the fiction writing process is so full of uncertainty and it's uncertain at every stage, you start a short story or you start a novel and you really don't know if you, you're going to get it to work until deep into it, right? I, I have this short story that I've actually been working on on and off for three years and I'm thinking that I might ditch it because I can't figure out how to make it work. And so there's uncertainty at the writing process. There is uncertainty at the stage when you're sending your manuscript out and hoping that you'll get an agent. And when that happens, if that happens, then there's uncertainty in sending it out and hoping that you'll find an editor who also loves your book. And then if that miraculously happens, you're sending it out into the world and hoping reviewers will like it and people will buy it. So it's, it's just uncertainty at every stage of the process. And I'm a person... By nature, I don't really thrive in conditions of uncertainty. So it's been really nice to have this other career, which offers more certainty and offers more sort of daily sources of affirmation. Like I can teach a class and a student might email me and say, hey, that was a really great class. And I can carry that, you know, and that helps kind of me power through this other part of my life where for many years I was sending things out into the world and getting only rejections. So, you know, I in a way they, they do, they do go together for me. I love that. So nice. (laughs) So what advice would you have then for the aspiring author? I think my number one piece of advice would be to be persistent, you know, keep trying, don't give up, try to power through the rejection and the hard moments. I would also say, try as much as you can to focus on what you love about the process of writing, focus on trying to get better at the craft because, you know, focusing on ends and outcomes, you really don't have much control over those. So I think for sanity's sake, it's it's much better to really try to focus on how do I get better at this? What do I love about the process of writing? And I think one other thing I would say is, you know, try to be patient and kind to yourself. I know 
that pretty much every birthday I hit from age 30 on, I would spend a few moments kind of scolding myself. Like, why aren't you done yet? Why haven't you gotten an agent yet? Why haven't you published it yet? Why are you failing at this? You know, and I just wish I had been kinder to myself because I don't, I don't think it made the process any faster, you know? And so I think I would, I would tell people that too. That's great advice. I love it. <laughs> and how about any uh, online dating advice or yeah. dating in your older years or um, dealing with, dealing with your kids while you're dating? Any of that? <laughs> oh goodness. I don't know that I have good advice for that. I had a very brief period where I tried online dating and it really did not work out for me. <laughs> But I'm the right person to give advice about that. <laughs> oh, did you have to go and like, pretend, did you ever pretend to get in, to be the character? Do you know what I mean? Like to, or was it all in your imagination? I could see like making a profile of the character, which would actually be really funny to do now. Like have him be a character on a dating app. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, it was most, it was my imagination, but I've also definitely had friends who have gone through the process of internet dating. So I've definitely you know, asked and, and picked up information along the way. So amazing. And are yeah. you, are you reading anything good? Yes. I just finished a couple of great novels. Actually. I just, um, finished this novel called sorrow and bliss by Meg. Oh, Mason. I love that book. Oh, that book is so good. I think I missed okay. it when it came out because it came out during the pandemic and yeah. I was just zoom school craziness mode. So I, I think I missed it, but it is just such a beautiful book. And it has that wonderful combination of humor and heartbreak, which I just love in books. Um, so I loved that. And then I finished, I recently read um, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, which I keep hearing about. And I thought it was great. And it gave me this new appreciation for video games and video game designers, which my nine-year-old son is very happy to hear. <laughs> trying to convince me how video games are the best. And then I always like to kind of have a couple of short story collections in the mix. I like to kind of read a short story before I go to sleep. So I've been revisiting two collections I read a while ago, which I loved. One is called Bobcat and Other Stories by Rebecca Lee. And it's wonderful. The stories are funny and, and surprising and so smart. And then a collection called Cowboys and East Indians by Nina McConaughey, which I, I think is terrific too. And uh, a lot of these stories feature... Indian American characters in Wyoming. So it's, it's really interesting. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And by the way, great job having that all thought through. I'm always, whenever anybody asks me, I'm like, um, what am I reading? What did I just finish? I know it was really good. <laughs> well, luckily I've had a really good run of reading lately. Yeah. It's, they've been, they've been really good. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on Moms No Time to Read Books, Late Bloomers. And best of luck with everything coming down the pike. Exciting. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Take Take care. care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or 
anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.